Let's open our Bibles to start um, this morning by declaring uh, the glory of God to the book of Jeremiah chapter 10. As usual, we start from verse 6, and we are reading all the way to verse 16, 11 verses. We are bringing the Lord a sacrifice of praise this morning by this. At the same time, we are declaring his glory into the air. Now, please, um, as usual, for those who don't know, we tend to use the New American Standard. Again, I keep repeating it, not because it's the most spiritual Bible out there, just because we have to reuse one, and so everybody, let's use the one that I normally use. Is that okay? I don't say, hi, I must go and buy a New American Standard. Look, there are so many good Bibles, so the one you have is good, all right? But please, if you don't have it, just look into your neighbor's Bible. Are you there? All I want to let's go. But it's not like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. But they are altogether stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Ufas. The work of a craftsman and of the hands of a goldsmith, violet and purple are their clothing. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is a true God. He is a living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Now read verse 10 again. But the Lord is a true God. He is a living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. One more time, please. For the Lord is the true God, the living God, and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. 11. Thus we shall say to them, The God that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from the other the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every ghostsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his immortal images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. 16. The portion of Jacob is not like this, for the maker of all is he, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. You know what God says? The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth, we are saying to them, all of you listen. The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth, you will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Amen. In this country, you will so perish. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We declare again that the Lord, the portion of Jacob, the portion of his church, the portion of the people of God, is not like them. He is the maker of all things. And we are the tribe of his inheritance. And the Lord of hosts is his name. Somebody said that, but he said Israel. No, the Bible says there's what is called the Israel of God. Paul said, peace be upon the Israel of God. He said, we are the circumcision 
who worship in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. There's a Jerusalem that's from above. And that is what we are. And it's based on that confidence or based on that knowledge that we have the confidence to say we are the tribe of his inheritance. And the Lord of hosts is his name. Uh, why are we whispering the amen? I'm just wondering. Amen. I said you are the tribe of his inheritance. Amen. We are the tribe of his inheritance. Amen. And the Lord of hosts is his name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Before we take our seats, let's take our declaration of understanding because we believe the Lord has heard us and he has prepared something great for us today. Believe me, something great is happening in the life of anyone who's paying attention to this this morning. Amen. We know that. Now, because of that, let's declare as follows. One, two, let's go. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. Please, can you congratulate somebody on your left and your right? Tell the person is healing you in every area. Say the word is healing you in every area. Every area. Every area. I don't think anyone is out of his reach. Every area. All right. The Lord is good. Let's take our seats. You know, God is good. I heard a testimony. Um, I, I had to go and look for the video. Pastor W.F. Kumi was preaching. I don't know how long ago, but it was somewhere. And then he gave a testimony of how his ministry began those days and all of that. He was praying that God, I just said, God, this is the, this is the will of God. He was praying that the Lord will, you know, he wanted the miraculous and all of that to happen in his life. You know, by the time he started happening, he didn't know. Somebody just stopped him on the road. Ah, good afternoon, sir. Ah, how are you? I was at Bible study the other day. All right, so he said, why you were teaching? I got healed. He didn't, didn't leave hands on anybody. They just started giving him testimonies. You just go down the road, just stop, you give you a testimony. Listen, you have a testimony. Yeah. Alright, the Lord is good. Alright, let's continue. John chapter 1 is where we'll begin today. John chapter 1. Remember, we're looking at the faith foundations for the Christian walk. The faith foundations for the Christian walk is what we're looking at. Let's just take this reading quickly from John chapter 1. Now, I'll jump a few verses here, not to save time, but so as to maintain um, a train of thought so we can get what he was saying. Because sometimes, during the Bible, some things come in parentheses. as supposed to have brackets so that you, just like an interjection, just for you to quickly get a point, and it goes back to the main thought. So I'm going to jump one or two like that so that I can just get the main thought out. From verse um, 1, saying, The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Now that light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend or overcome it. 
Now, I'm going to jump straight now to verse 14. Because he's talking about the word. Now, from verse 6 to verse 13, he now introduced John. All right? They now went back to talking about the word. So, in verse 1, it tells us in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Then in verse 14 now says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. This glory is as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This, is, this was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. In verse 16 we read, For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace, that is how we received abundance of grace. It said, For the law was given through Moses. That's not what we came to receive. What we came to receive is what? Grace and truth that we realize through Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop reading in verse 17 here. Now what I want to emphasize here again this morning is that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And because that word became flesh, we saw glory. And the kind of glory we saw is that of one that is born of the Father. We saw grace and truth in his life. And let me say, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you too. I hope you're getting my point. Where I'm going is that everything you see in the life of Jesus is a pattern for us to follow. Now, what is faith? Let's, okay, let's quickly read that again. In John chapter, um, Hebrews chapter 11. This is the main text I have for today, but let's just read that Hebrews chapter 11 again. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God. King James says framed by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. I'm going to stop reading that there. No, let me read one more verse. In verse um, 6. He said, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now let's continue looking at um, these faith foundations. Now what I want to quickly, of course we have seen a number of things. Let me start by reminding us of the fact that we saw that faith is not just a, it's not just a way of thinking. It's not just a way of life. It's literally a technology for living. Now, I use the word technology again, all right? Let me just explain what I mean by that. Again, technology means a way by which we get results. Literally, technology means the application of knowledge to practical life. Are you getting my point? For example, now, you can go to school, you study physics, you know about radio waves, you know about radiation, you know about silicon, um, the property of silicon, you know about copper, you know about gold, you know about... Uh, semiconductors, and then that's it. Who knowledge help, like they say? Who have you helped? <laughs> you have not helped anybody. You can be speaking plenty English. But what is technology? We take all these things you know, put them together, and create a mobile phone. So that knowledge has become practical in our lives. I'll be getting my point. All the knowledge you have of Boyle's law, Charles's law, you know, burning of um, hydrocarbons, uh-huh. You put everything together, 
with um, your gear knowledge of gear systems, and you form a vehicle. They can move us from one place to another. That is what you call technology. So that's what they will tell you about science and technology. Science is useless by itself. It's just a mass of knowledge that does nothing. Technology is when you take the knowledge in science and you bring it to everyday use for human beings. That's what technology is. I hope you're getting my point. Now, so when I say faith is a technology for living, I know what I'm saying. So you can have a mass of knowledge of the word of God. Just like that, it doesn't help anybody. What God says in the spirit, you activate it to reality. That technology is called what? Faith. It's called faith. It's called faith. That's why we must continue to understand what faith is and live a life of faith. Even not, it's, just not, it's not just about the words. Like if you see now, sometimes people say, what is the meaning of um, um, faith? They go to that Hebrews chapter 11. But I always um, contend that Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 does not define faith. It doesn't. It only tells you what faith does. Do you understand my point? If you, are not, if you don't read the whole Bible, you know what, you just read that one alone, you won't know what faith is. But that's an application of faith. Like me asking you, what is water? You say, water is that which satisfies us when we are thirsty. That's not water. That's what water does. If you want to, if you want to really tell me what water is, you go and ask somebody who knows chemistry. He will tell you it's something that is liquid at room temperature, clear, colorless, odorless, tasteless, which has a chemical formula of H2O. That is water. But then what do we do with it? With it, we wash, we cook. Of course, we drink, we quench our thirst, and without it, we cannot live. So faith, what is faith itself, really? Not just the application. Faith is a spiritual principle by which somebody walks with God, accepting everything he says as final. Now, now that's not all there is to it. I just gave one. It's a spiritual principle, the base upon which we relate with that which we don't see. It's a spiritual principle by which we walk with God, knowing him to be the creator. Now, I can keep on explaining different things. Faith means I accept who God is. His word I accept as final. His word is my life. And it's something, it's, now, please don't misunderstand me. It originates from me. I don't mean I'm the author of faith. But the faith that works must be oozing from my heart. I have to decide to accept these things. Everybody is given the opportunity. But many people reject it. And God can easily kill somebody's faith. How? He says, hear and don't understand. And that's the end of it. See and don't perceive. That ability to comprehend is what we mean by faith. Now, when you have it in your life, it now begins to create things for you based on what God is saying. The first thing it does for you is create hope. Are you getting me? Faith creates hope. Now, last time, I explained something, which I've done many times anyway, that when Adam and Eve did what they did, of course, the serpent came, tempted Eve. Remember, serpent, the devil doesn't have many um, plans in your life. There is nothing you have that the devil needs, really. He doesn't need your car. He can, it's a spirit. He moves from one place to the other without your vehicle. I hope you're getting my point. All right? He doesn't need your car. He doesn't need your money. He knows about money. He doesn't spend it. 
If you, if you enter into the realm of the spirit, money will lose value in your eyes. Do you get my point? It's not about being spiritual, just having knowledge. You get my point? Those is when we were younger, we used to laugh and say, if the Babalao, you heard those things. Those who don't understand spiritual things make some statements. Say, the Babalao you are going to meet in the village. If that's how his power is working, why is he still in the village? When you see such things, you don't know spiritual things. He said, no, the man cannot do money medicine. If he could, he won't still be in the village. No. He has entered into the spiritual realm. He's not pushing what you are pushing. Yes. He knows you don't know what you are saying. You don't know what you are looking for. He's willing to help you to do any nonsense you want. I hope you're getting my point. Uh-huh. So, Satan is not looking for your money. That's what I'm going to emphasize. He knows more than that. He doesn't need that. He has only one purpose, one agenda in your life. Never forget it. To make you disobey God. Listen. He doesn't have power. I know I keep on saying that. Then. In himself, he doesn't have power. What he has is when God has pronounced judgment on somebody. Now, you know, I was thinking about it again a few days ago. I'll listen to David Paulson say some things, all right? That's later, but I'll just put everything together. He was talking about isms. He loves isms, and he hates isms. <laughs> he said, how can someone love something I hate? It? Let me explain. He knows about, he'll give you a lot of isms. He said, these are words that I hate. <laughs> was always teaching about them. That the only isms he loves are baptism. And which other one now? There's another ism the man loves. Evangelism. evangelism. Thank you. He loves evangelism and baptism. But all these isms, isms he doesn't like, they cause confusion. But anyway, he was teaching us about different kinds of beliefs in God. So he talked about, okay, we know about atheism, which is a religion that, now that's my own definition. It's a religion that tells people worship a devil called no God. Yeah, it has to be. I mean, it's for you to be so vehement about it and be so sure that there's nothing. How can you say there's nothing? <laughs> Do you get my point? I teach students, so at the end of the class, I'll say, any questions? Any questions? Somebody will say, no questions. I say, you can't say that. I decide there are no questions when there is silence. Nobody's allowed in a class of a hundred people to tell me no questions. Or you can just say, and when you tell me no questions, I kick you out of my class. Obviously, you are, you are in a hurry to go somewhere. So go. But when everybody is silent, then I have the right to assume there's no question to answer. I hope you're getting my point. So you can't just sit on the earth. You've never been to Pluto. Maybe God lives in Pluto. And then you say convincingly there's no God. There are statements that are not makeable. You know, when I use my English, some of them end up being right. Some of them end up being new. But they're never wrong. <laughs> some of them are right. Some of them are new. Okay. <laughs> there are statements you can't just make. You have not traveled wide enough. If you know physics, let me teach you a little bit about astronomy. The universe is very big, we know. They say it's about 90-something billion light years across in diameter. Don't think about that distance. It's very great. It's enough to blow a brain. So don't think too much about it. Now, there are over 200 billion galaxies. Each galaxy has about 200 billion stars on the average. Now, where I'm going is that each galaxy is in what they call a local group. Now, the point I'm making is that it is impossible, impossible by the laws of science known right now 
No, there's no machine you can invent to leave your local group and go to the next one. Only light can just come from the other ones and then radiation by you can see them. What I'm going to emphasize is that you can never leave your local group of, of um, local cluster of stars or galaxies into another one. Why? They are expanding, they are separating from each other faster than anybody can ever travel. It's like you're pursuing a car going at 200 kilometers an hour by foot. Even if your name is Usain Bolt, the longer you run, the farther away from you, the car will be. So how can you say there's no God? That's why I'm going with all this uh, teaching of astronomy. How can you say there's no God? You can't even leave your house. You tell me there's nobody living in Naka. Do you get my point? We are imprisoned in this our galaxy. We are imprisoned. All our knowledge, our ability to travel, we are imprisoned. So nobody can ever say, logically, there's no God. The most reasonable thing for a non-believer to say is, I don't know. So atheism is one. Agnosticism is the next one, which is I don't know. Now some people now say, no, there are so many, I'm not talking about all of them. There's polytheism, there are many gods. The one I want to emphasize again, which is why I'm bringing it up, that the man pointed out what they call dualism. I've never used that word, but I've preached about it a lot. What is dualism? There are two gods. Do you know that is what most Christians believe? You'll be surprised when I say that. Who is one God? Our Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. One. Second one, the devil. But they don't say that. No, they do say They don't realize it. Because they ascribe so much greatness to him, he has to be a God. Anything goes wrong, is the devil. God and the devil, they are wrestling over my life. It's not true. It is me. And the devil, they are wrestling over whether I will obey God or I won't obey God. God doesn't wrestle with Satan. He crushes him. Anytime, you must understand, you know, have you ever heard this before that Satan wanted to overthrow God? Have you heard that thing before? You've not heard it before? We read a portion of Daniel. And we are sent, um, 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 no, it's, it's not, it's, it's Isaiah, sorry, Isaiah. Uh-huh. I will ascend above the stars of the clouds that will be like the most high. Satan never, ever, ever imagined in the imagination, imagining, imagining part of his imagining heart. Such thoughts are not thinkable. I hope you're getting my point. They are not thinkable. I don't know how to say it. They are not thinkable. I won't say more than that. So what did he do? All you can do is disobey. What people aspire to, number one, that scripture we quote is not Satan speaking, we're just Nebuchadnezzar talking his nonsense. Alright? But what, the, it, what such a thought can come to your mind in every sphere, like now, I'll be like the most high over Nigeria. I can be the president. I hope you're getting my point. I can be the Obuntarige. The Agadagbachiruzo. Are you getting my point? You can have such thought, but you can never think you will dethrone God. You can decide to go against his will. Satan and God are not equal and opposite. Who are fighting over one thing and one person can't win. They now require you to help one of them. 
please let's understand this thing well. Because we have this, you know, that's why, you know, in the, when we're teaching faith those days, we learned it. One of the, I think it's a very terrible, okay, I would not the word terrible. It's, a, it's an error, which I think we should correct. This idea that anything bad happens is the devil. When we say it, it is not, it's, 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 it's very terrible. So it looks like you hear things like, um, People say that if there is a God, why is everything in a mess? And then when we came to defend God, you know what we said? It's not him. It's who? It's the devil. I hope you know that this is not true. What should you say? It's not him. It is us. We are the ones that mess up things. We are the ones that can't vote in order. Have you ever heard of people saying they rigged elections? Have you heard it before? The elections were rigged by spirits? It's human beings that do it. That's what I mean. The chaos is man-made. The chaos on earth is man-made. Some people say, okay, what about natural disasters and other problems like uh, earthquakes and all of that? Is that the devil? No, it's not the devil. Who does that one? God. That was one thing they taught us. It's Satan. I said, no, it's not Satan. The devil cannot shift the earth by himself. Is he high on something? That's a mistake we made. They taught us that, no, you see, the devil is this not. Read the Bible. It is not the devil. Now, let's ask a simple question. Who rained fire and brimstone over Sodom and Gomorrah? Didn't we see them come to do it? The Lord appeared by himself with two of his executioner angels. And they told Lord, move. We can't do what we are supposed to do while we are here. We keep on, no. One major thing that, why we made that mistake. I'm saying this for those who are Bible students especially. All right, who learned this faith thing that we learned? We learned it also. I learned it. I taught them until I grew and said, no, this is not accurate. Is that we kept on telling ourselves, don't read the Old Testament, read only the New. That's the letter written to you. That's why we, we came into so much misunderstanding. We didn't have the whole counsel of God. Because if you read it, you can't hold on to some things. You say, one time you see an earthquake, it is the devil. It's not the devil. All the earthquakes we saw, Sodom and Gomorrah, with fire and brimstone, which most likely was a volcano that they opened up and poured the lava inside over the people. It was a decision by God why he said, I have come to judge their wickedness. So when there's an earthquake, we think of God judging wickedness. That's what we should think about. Not say the devil. Which devil? When the ground opened and swallowed them, is it Korah, Dathan, and Abiram and their family, was it the devil? Moses, everybody, move back. God let him know, look, I'm going to discipline those people. And the earth opened and swallowed them alive. Was it the devil? But when we don't read it, we forget that, those portions. And then the greatest calamity this earth has ever seen, in which everything on this earth was wiped out, but for Noah and his family, was a flood of Noah. And who did it? Was it the devil? What happened to us is that we wanted to paint our God as a nice guy. God, you know the way in Ibo man we do? You can't hurt children. No, Oyinbo are very interesting. You know, those who don't know, Oyinbo is what we call white people. People from <laughs> that's who, the West, what we call the Western world. Yeah. They, their own and children. When you hurt children, no, God can't. So they are trying to defend that God doesn't hurt children. Something happened once. My friend, he lives in the U.S. We were together in a mall. So he, his son was with us. We were walking. So the boy's balloon fell from his hand. You know the way wind we do? We just blew the balloon. So just as a normal person, what did I do? I chased down the balloon, caught it, and gave it to the little boy. If you see praise, 
One man stopped one down. You're the man. You're the man. Guys were praising me. Ah, I said, just what's going on? He said, no, no, they are white people. That's how they behave. I said, what? He said, you just caught a balloon for a child. That's what all this commotion. I'm not kidding. The guy stopped his car, one down. He told me, you're the man. You're the man. I was wondering, like, I caught a balloon. I don't get it. So she said, that's how they are. So if you do anything against a child, eh, they will hang you. So when children die, we quickly say, no, it's not God, it's the devil. Because if we dare say it is God, nobody will believe him again. They will all be so angry with him. So we painted a new picture. Wrote new doctrines. So anytime you see calamity, it's the devil. Anytime you see rain, that's not too much, it's God. If the rain is too much and it's causing flooding, that's the devil now. But if it's raining enough for the earth to be softened and then you be fruitful and all of that, that is God. But once the water is too much and our rice, no, our crops get damaged, Mm-mm. that is the devil. So anytime something I will be checking, is it good or bad by our standard? Let's hear the truth. Eh? People of God, is not true. If the rain is too much, it is God. If the rain is enough, it is God. If the rain is not enough, it's the same God that doeth everything according to the counsel of his will. So why will he withhold rain? When we sin, when we don't give thanks for the one that fell last year, do you get my point? That's why he withholds the rain. I'm not bringing rain again. Leave it. Why? People are sinning. You ascribe my rain to nature, mother nature, when I'm father God. Do you get my point? We have now, you know, we've turned a, you know, a new God out of nature. So God says, okay, give me my rain. Go and meet mother nature to bring it. Please, I'm trying to set these things right in our eyes. When I hear that man say dualism, I say, oh, this is what Christians practice. They don't know it. And that's why when they come to pray, they pray to the devil also. Which is a common thing in, I didn't grow up in Eastern Nigeria, and I don't know much of Eastern, that's the Igbo traditional culture. But I know Yoruba traditional culture, Western Nigeria. They worship what they call Eshu. Eshu was a god, all right? Just like Ogun or Ia or Batalanko. But when Christianity came, what we call Satan, after they scanned it, the best name to use for Satan and the devil was Eshu. Now let me tell you about Eshu. Eshu was a troublemaker. Anytime there's trouble, now that's where I'm going, you go and offer sacrifices to Eshu to quieten him down. You beg him. When there's an outbreak of diseases, or a particular disease, you go to Eshu and say, please now. He was known for causing trouble. Do you get my point? So, now, this is where I'm going. When we now came into Christianity, we took his name, issue and gave it to the devil. That's what, what we did. Now, we're now worshipping the devil the same way we worship issue. Except that now, we don't beg the devil. We fight him. My car, you will not take my car. It's still prayer to the devil because you are telling him not to do something. Ah, I know we don't like it, but it's the truth. Today, you are going to pray. Oh, the devil is in trouble. Say, devil, 
devil, my money, my money, bring it back, bring it back. Do you know what that is? Prayer. Devil, devil, my house, my house, you won't take it. You know what that is? Prayer. He features so much in our prayer life. We don't know we are worshipping him. And the guy is enjoying it. We think we are resisting. He's enjoying it. According to Archbishop Bidahosa, when you give him so much attention, he gives you so much direction. So he will come and say, boy, wake up. Time to pray. Wake up. Pray. It will get ready. Wear your gloves. Devil, I want to tell you. Uppercut for you. Punch. Oh, devil, I give you a body slap. Wow. Many people do that. Come to church with your koboko. Today we are going to beat the devil. All of it is what? Worship. I'm telling you, it's worship. What are you supposed to do to the devil? You resist him, that's all. That is, if he says, come, eat the fruit. It is written. You shall eat all the fruit in this garden, apart from the one that is here. I'm not praying to him. Are you kidding me? I'm informing him that I'm obeying God. I'm not telling him bring my team back. You get my team? So, where the devil has kept your liver, today he's going to return it. <laughs> devil burst into laughter. Say, I will return it if I have it. <laughs> so, he will pray the whole night. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> his own joker. That guy is a clown. He's a prophet. He's a... I was with a neighbor on the way to Makodi. One woman had this funny, you know, deformed arm, which we found out. Once I took a glance at it, I'm a doctor. I knew what was wrong with her. The man said, this is what witches did. That they removed the bone in her hand. They not did like this. Oh, give me the bone back. <laughs> give me the bone back. Camera Give me the bone back. Give me the bone back. I come out the bone. Yeah, put the bone back there. And the woman's hand lengthened. And I became normal. Hey, everybody erupted. I told my wife, who are you? Why? I said, can you see that woman can't raise their hand? After the hand got healed, he did like this. And all of them were worshipping. I don't know who. Now, whether it's the devil that brought the bone back. Or God that collected it by force, whatever. They were praising man, nailed down, put the hands up. I laughed. I said, Hi! Why are we embarrassing God like this? It turned out that that woman used to go from one pastor to another. They kept on healing her and getting paid. She get paid. You know the story that time. And one of the spokespersons now said that she got healed and lost her healing. I said, She didn't get, she didn't lose any healing. So police arrested her in Abakliki. I love Abakliki police. Woman has said, Ah, as a human means, if you want to even disobey God so that God will punish you, I said, Let it be for 10 million naira, 20 million, 100 million. Not for 10,000 naira, you'll be lying against the name of God. It's not good. How much do you get paid for all those shoes? Is that 5k, 10k? I said, Why should God punish you for 10,000 and then punish you for 10 billion? Is it, is it good? Like I said, if you want to do bad, at least do it well. You know, you get my point? So that even God will look and say, okay, I understand the temptation. 
Sometimes some of those people that, that do bad for 10 billion, they are the ones that God will forgive. More than these stupid ones that do the same thing for 10,000 there. Because God will say, This one, you were tempted. This one said, You were not tempted, you were stupid. They carry you to a church, lie in my name, and they paid you 5,000 naira. And you collected. If I say, Pastor, today's offering, everything is my own. And then I know you have been tempted. I bet me you try to upgrade your temptation small. I hope it might be. <laughs> I'll be taking small, small things as temptation. The point I'm making is that we worship the devil, we don't know it. We do, we talk to him. Devil, bring my money back. That's prayer. Don't give it to him. It's not allowed. All you do is just resist him. Now, where I'm going with all of everything is that resisting the devil, he has only one thing he wants. Which is what? That you will disobey God. He wants to undermine your faith. That's all. So when you are resisting him, you know the focus. The focus is, I will not disobey God. I won't do that which is displeasing to God. Now, please, let me emphasize that word. Pleasing. Displeasing. Pleasing to God. When they were having a discussion, one brother said, you have not yet answered the question. I said, what's your question again? He said, is that a sin or is not a sin? I said, so you just want life to be binary. That that is sin or is not a sin. I said, there are things that the scriptures did not talk about. So we have to put them together. Actually, the question that day is that some women go and freeze their eggs. Yeah, we do it in medicine. So and he's a gynecologist. He wants to know that, is it right? So we went into a lot of discussions. At the end of the day, he said, we have not answered the question. I said, what do you mean we have not answered the question? He said, is it a sin or is it not a sin? I said, that doesn't exist in that context. You have to pull things. I said, no, that's what I'm going to. Every Christian should ask the question, is this pleasing to God or is it not pleasing? That's a, you see, there's a difference between is it a sin or is it not a sin? It's a word of difference. Because in that context, we explained, why do doctors do it? So, was I going through all the different reasons? For example, there's one reason if I tell you, it's just clear common sense that it has to be good. There are some treatments they want to give some people. These treatments will kill the ovaries. So, doctors say, no, 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 we, we can't afford to do that. This is a young woman. They take out the eggs as much as possible, freeze it for the give, because they know when they are done, the ovaries are dead. Now, is that bad? Can you see what I'm saying? But it, what brought it out? Some people say, no, I want to first jaye me first. I don't have time for all this uh, settle down, childbearing thing. I want to first become, when I become an MD of a bank, then I'll not think about childbearing. Is that good or bad? Different. That one doesn't look good. So everything you do, including how you drive, is there a sin on how to drive or not to drive? A lot of things you do in traffic. There's no Bible that says that shall not cross the road at a junction. There are times you want to do something. You say, hey, wait, 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 wait. If I take this turn here, it will not be a blessing. And I, I'll give an example. There are times maybe my wife and I were going somewhere. I'm supposed to park. Or I want to park my car. They say, there's space here. I'll just say, it's in front of somebody's shop. That person is selling bananas there. She's not supposed to be there, really, but let's find another place to park. So her banana and the fruit she's selling will be seen by passers-by. You know, if I had parked there, it's not really a sin. It's not against the law. In fact, where she is, she's not authorized to be there. She's on the sidewalk. But I'm not desperate for parking space. So the fact that she's on the sidewalk, 
is secondary to the issue right now. So instead of parking there, I just look for somewhere else. Why? Somebody is trying to sell things. If I park there, half of her potential customers will not know she's there. So I just drive and park somewhere else. Are you seeing what I'm saying now? So parking there or not parking there, they is seen or not is seen. It's, it's not addressable really like directly like that. But some things are excellent. So I said, let's just park somewhere else. That pleases God. That I thought, it's called love. Love your neighbor as yourself. What I'm trying to say, eh? anything you want to do in life, just know that that must be the guiding principle. Is this pleasing to God or it is not pleasing to God? It is not, is it a sin or is it not a sin? But that's on the side. But the main thing I'm trying to say is that Satan has only one purpose. He wants you to do that which displeases God. So when you are resisting him, it's so that you will do that which is pleasing to God. And Jesus taught us how to do it. He said, pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from doing evil. He said, draw near to the throne of grace, that you may find, obtain mercy and find grace to help. In what? The time of need. Actually, the time of temptation. So how do you resist the devil? You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Then when the devil sees that you are determined to obey God, he will do what? Flee from you. So he comes to Jesus Christ. He says, turn these stones to bread. And Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Shall a man live? Then he left that matter. He went to another matter. And Jesus said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He left that one again. Then when he went to the third one, and Jesus answered him again, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God alone. He's the only one you will serve. Can you see the way he resisted the devil? He didn't go resist the devil. He said, devil, I'm wearing my glove. I'm ready for you tonight. Come at 2 a.m. That is when I'm most powerful. Oh, yeah, devil! Shoot the devil! Some churches do that. So today, we'll bring out our AK-47. The devil is in trouble. Oh, devil, stand there. Devil, you are hereby tied to the stake. Devil, devil, devil. I tell you, Jesus is just looking like, now, wow. You think you are fighting the devil, but you've talked about him for one straight hour. My name only comes in helping to talk to the devil. But that's not necessary. You spend all the time talking about the Lord. You know, we talk about that all the time. Talk about the Lord. Magnify him. How do you resist him? Resist the devil is determination to obey God. And then employing all the spiritual weapons necessary to obey. Because the only thing the devil wants is for you to disobey. I hope you're getting my point. Please never forget it. Alright, now. So faith. Faith is a way by which we bring to reality what God has written. Alright? Faith is, a way, is, a, is that technology by which we bring to... You know, he said the world became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That's what I'm going to emphasize. How does the world become flesh in our lives? The plan of God. See, everything God has planned. This is how it is. Listen to this. He writes them down. Details. He writes them down in details. David said it in Psalm 139. That the things he has written down concerning my life, there are so many. He said, the thoughts you have towards me, they are vast. The sum of them, if I start numbering them, ah, 
How long will I be here trying to count? Everything. He writes the number of times I will breathe in health. He has written it down. He has written everything down. The destiny he has planned for my life. He has written it down. For every one of his children, that's how he's written it down. It's so detailed. It's so detailed. Alright? Now, after he writes it down, then he comes and now says, let us make man in our image. And after our likeness. So he forms a clay. Now for you and me, we are giving birth to, that's the body made out of the clay. The birth, the little child that is born. So when I have a responsibility, the parents, the child as you, as you grow up, everybody put together, we have one responsibility to make that clay that they've given to you, now that mold, to become exactly what God created it to be. I hope you're getting my point. No, it looks like people didn't get me. Let me go back to Genesis. God made a man, we, we discussed that, and then the mistake we make, we, we have a small misunderstanding. We think that because in the image of God created him, male and female created he them. If it's when he first said that, there was not even any female on ground. So when God speaks, a lot of those words are prophetic. We'll talk about, we'll talk about it later. He's talk, he calls those things that be not as though they were. What he really was doing was that he made the mold. That mold that he made, which is the man, was now supposed to be transformed over time through a process of interacting with God, through a process of the Lord coming to the garden, giving his words, through a process of him exchanging using the words of Oswald Chambers, exchanging the natural for the spiritual through a process because, you see, that body has natural inclinations. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, it has natural inclinations, which is what animals use. All right? But this one has the spirit, the life of God. So what he's doing is that he's laying down the natural inclinations. Read my book, Worship and Sex Control. I explained it inside there. What human beings do when it comes to sexuality and all of that, it's not natural. It's actually spiritual. That is what we Christians do. It's spiritual. It's what we do is lay down that which is natural and take that which is spiritual. So the body says something, we say, no, God said another thing. And as somebody said yesterday, and your body doesn't care where you spend eternity. It's not planning to go with you. I heard that one yesterday. <laughs> your body doesn't care where you spend eternity. It's not going with you. So it can lead you to do any nonsense. So the body says, hey, see, you don't have to be faithful to your wife. It doesn't matter. That's what the body says. But you say, no, marriage is honorable in all. The bed must be on the fire. Homongers and adulterers, God will judge. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. Now, I say that. Now, what that does is it brings a restraint upon my person. What I have done is I have laid down that which is natural for that which is spiritual. I hope you're getting my point. Now, that process continues. It's not a one-day process. It's not a one-day process. Adam will discover the natural thing his body wants to do. Then the Lord will come and say, you will not do that. This is what the Spirit is saying. Then, now listen to this. The whole system is being reprogrammed. That's what Paul meant when he said, I put my body where? Under. It doesn't make my decisions for me. I hope you're getting my point. Now, so that process continues until... The man becomes the exact image of the Lord. And it's a character thing. It's not a bodily thing. 
Because God is spirit. I hope you're getting my point. So it's a character, it's a spiritual thing. The inner part of him, the inward man of the heart, Peter will say, all right, is transformed, therefore, into the image of God. So you hear Paul talk about it, about Jesus Christ. He said it's the exact representation of his nature. Talking about the Father now. I hope you're getting my point. And that was why he said, when he said, show us the Father, he said, what do you want to see? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. What matters is that everything you've seen me do is what the Father will do. Every way you have seen me behave is how the Father behaves. If the Father comes in and wears human flesh, it's exactly what you will see. And that's what God was doing. So that Adam will get to a point. Anytime you see him, you have seen God. Do you follow my point? That he has now become what was said at the beginning. Let us make man in our image. After our likeness. And then God will now say to him, go, eat of the tree of life. Then he will eat of the tree of life and live forever. Do you get my point? That's the plan. That was the plan. Now, that plan is still until today. So, if a child is born, think about that's Adam, fresh. Now, who is the, now listen to this. Who used to train Adam? Hmm? God. No, there's no catch to it. Who used to train Adam? It's God. In case you don't know, that's exactly what happened to Jesus also. God also trained him as a child, personally. That's why he's called his father. Yes. You must understand that. It's God that used to train, train Adam. Now, I don't want to use the word unfortunately. It's our responsibility. Now, who trains a child that is born now? The parents. That's the God in the child's life. Parents realize it. You are the God in the child's life. You are not allowed to lie to the child. You are not allowed to represent anything apart from God to your children. I hope you're getting my point. You can't mistrain the child. You can't go and tell the child. When a man comes, tell him I'm not around. You know what it means? He's taking God as a liar. So tomorrow is his Bible. God lies. He asks, look, another, oh God, preachers now have a job to do, to break that stronghold that God does not lie. Like I said something the other time. I will say it again. All right. <laughs> it's the truth. My people, please don't be angry with me. All right? I see a lot of bitterness in southeastern Nigeria amongst people. The kind of bitterness I don't find in the north, I don't find in the southwest. Why? Because parents who went through the problems of the 60s and fought the Biafran War, they poisoned their children. Yeah, I'm being honest. One day I went, I went to visit one man. When he was speaking, I went to a friend of mine. I just came to Enugu that time, a few years after I came. Ah, when we were done, we left the place. I told my friend, he's, he's an evil man, very good friend of mine. I said, oh boy, what was that? He said, man, relax, 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 relax. Someone went out, he now explained, he said, please, pardon his generation. He said, they fought in the war. Because when, the way the man was analyzing things, he would say, maybe a road here was bad. Government didn't repair it. Why didn't they repair it? He said, you know, the government will sit down and say, which road? Is that not the road of the people that lost the war? That's how he was doing his hand. By the time he finished talking, we him for like 45 minutes, one hour thereabouts. I was looking at him like, ah, is that what's going on in the country? So I came, I said, my friend, what's going on? I asked my friend. He said, Banky, relax, relax, relax. When he entered the car, he said, please pardon him. You have to pardon him. You have to understand his generation. He said, they reason differently from our generation. Where the ones born either were babies during the war or were born shortly after. That's my own generation. Okay? 
So he said, we didn't experience what they experienced. So you can't understand his mindset. But as we are now growing up, many of those parents, you know what they did? They transferred all the bitterness and anger to the next generation. That's why I told you, the young girl will tell me, who has never crossed Niger Bridge. Job is waiting for her in Shagamu. I said, go and take it. And I said, no, you know what I mean, but they won't take me. I'm like, how do you know? And if she had gone, you know what? It was guaranteed. They were looking for you. They would have just swallowed her. Bam, take her immediately. Parents, please, eh? don't poison. Don't incapacitate your children with your own bitterness. It's not good. I just give one example because of where we are. A lot of people, no, you just, and if you are like that, look, you will miss God. You will. You, see, you, that is, if they've poisoned you with anything in life, you can't hear God clearly. All these prophets who have been prophesying. I've not seen this amount of prophetic confusion in a long time. Once it's political time in Nigeria, prophet, you see the prophets, they get confused. I've seen credible prophets, they prophesy in America, it will work. They prophesy in, uh, in uh, uh, Ghana, it will work. They prophesy in South Africa, it will work. Once they come to Nigeria during the election, boom, prophets upside down. There's a spirit in the air. God will show them vision. Spirit will do like this. They will look through this. They see things through smoke, through glass. And the spirit say, "In Nigeria, we do." <laughs> the prophets will prophesy. They, they, look, if you're a prophet in Nigeria, to see clearly, eh? my God, you need to pray extra. It does not into temptation. There's something in the air. It's so confusing. These prophets will go outside. Though. They will see clearly. Like in Nigeria, some of the most credible prophets in Nigeria, it's as if they don't see again. Hi, uncle. He has an uncle like that. The man used to see very clearly. But once you join, when you're a prophet and you join either his PDP or APC or Labour Party, you've lost your prophetic ability. I'm telling you, you know I know what I'm talking about. That is uncle. Went and joined one of them. As soon as he joined, God stopped talking to him. It's as if God stopped talking to him. The Lord was still talking to him, but he was hearing it abnormally. He saw the kind of things he started prophesying. And I said to him, you see your uncle's problem. He has joined a major political party. It's not as if God, you know, the gifts and callings of God, there was then repentance. So God will still speak, but he doesn't hear it clearly. So people of God, they don't be angry with all the prophetic confession you see in Nigeria. Just learn a lesson. Learn a lesson. See, you can't be an active member of Abga, as an example, and you're a prophet, and you will not see that your party is winning in Enugu, even though people are coming seventh. <laughs> There's one prophet like that at the back. He knows he's the one I'm using to preach. <laughs> You'll be saying that we won. We won. I saw it. I saw my, what's the name of your guy? Frank. <laughs> Frank. I saw, I, sir, I saw you being sworn in. <laughs> Why? You are paying, you are paying dues. You are campaigning. God has to use his sledgehammer to whack your head. Stop there. You are going to lose. <laughs> if he doesn't do that, he won't see anything. So if you are a prophet in Nigeria, you want to see clearly, please don't join any party. Don't campaign in any party. Don't believe in any, <laughs> don't believe in any candidate. Just do your, when they call him, just do your, I don't see anybody. Pray hard every day. Give all of them names. First candidate, his name will be Abinadab. Next one will be Shama. Oh, first one will be what? Eliab. Give all of them. Don't give any one of them David. Once you give somebody David, you can't see clearly again. 
Just assume that God has rejected everybody. Then God will not say, hey, now I can talk to you. But once you allow your heart to be polluted and diluted, give me another word, and adulterated and infused with things that are not of God, it's not possible you will not see clearly. If you saw, it will not be clear. If it's clear, you will misinterpret. The Lord is good. So the God in the life of the children now is the parent. Do you get my point? So I, I was just saying that parents, be careful what you infuse your children with. Infuse them with the knowledge of God. Speak to them scripture. Lay hands on them, prophesy upon them. Now, what Jesus used to do was to breathe upon the disciple that he did after resurrection. <sighs> Receive the Holy Spirit. Each, he went to each one of them, one by one, and he breathed on them. Breathe on those children also. Infuse the spirit of God into them by instruction, by leaning of hands, by breathing. Breathe upon them. <sighs> Life of God in you. The destiny of God. Be like Jesus Christ. Give them the word of God. Do that regularly. When you do that, listen to me, they will walk into destiny naturally. So the clay is formed. That's the baby in your hands. He has to grow in wisdom. You have to keep continually teach that wisdom. From the time they are little, tell them what to say, what not to say. Discipline them. From the time they are tiny, they, if, if they do things they are supposed to do, the visitor comes to the house, the visitor is drinking, they go to collect the cup. Don't smile and say, you know he's a child. He's not a child. He's an evil human being that needs wickedness driven away. Collect that hand and tap it in a very spiritual way. You know how to do spiritual tap it's at the back of the hand. Do it some more. And say, when the visitor is taking drink, you don't do long throat. Hold your long throat in Jesus' name. Amen. You won't do it tomorrow. You give him a piece of bread, a roll of bread. Share with your younger one. He works everything. Don't let it go free. Don't say, you know he's a child. God said he's a child. That's why he sent him to your house. So train him how not to be a child. Say, so next time I give you bread rolls, and I say, give your younger one. You will cut it in two and give your younger one the bigger one. The Bible calls it prefer one another in love. We teach the child. Not just with words, though. First time he makes the mistake, words. Next time, please. It's in the scripture. It says, the rod is the word, is a lie. I don't want to teach on that one now. You will make him, you have to make the child hate doing what is bad. And like I said to parents, never reward bad behavior. I never reward bad behavior. I, I, I have that rule. If it's bad, you must not get a reward. Because anything you reward, you reinforce. You know, it's a matter of fact. Once you reward something, you reinforce it. Don't just be forgiving recklessly. When it comes to children, no. Your forgiveness has been measured. We check it. How many ounces of forgiveness do you have left for the week? <laughs> now, what I mean is that you must be... Because it, it's not wickedness. You are training somebody. Your training is training. When I say don't do it, that that's one thing you must never tolerate as a parent. Disobedience. There's a difference between mistakes and disobedience. What's disobedience? You give an instruction. The a child understood. 
it's very early in life they understand sit down. You sit, say sit down. It sits there and gets up. Look, I said sit down. Hey, you know, children, they have it, but it will not smile for you. <laughs> See, these are, <clears throat> let me tell you, these are, you are looking for Satan. Those are the tricks of Satan. Those are the tricks of Satan. They will not smile for you. It's called bribery and corruption. That, you know that they are smile. It's very disarming. Mm. Mothers almost always fall for it. Yes, my. I even have one that starts singing for you. I know what he sings. I love you. You love me. Don't agree. What did I say? Don't agree. Don't agree. Don't agree. Because this foolishness must drive it away. Must drive it away. Yeah, we must. Why? We are doing a job for God. God wants you to form that child in the image of Christ. That's what I'm making. What we are doing, everything is forming, we are being formed into the image of Christ. That's what this whole thing is about. We are being formed. Please, eh? I heard like talking about those that children thing again. It's not a joke. It's a job. God will judge you for it. He's going to ask you how well you did. Every decision you make, bear that thing in mind. Now, I'm not going to tell you what to do and what not to do. Just bear it in mind. It is you they will ask. They won't ask the, the class teacher. Because it is so easy for parents to quickly, as soon as the child is old enough, just ship him off to boarding house. Many of those boarding house shipments, no, is you are, you are outsourcing your responsibility. Yeah. Before you ship a child out to boarding house, you have to, Oh, I don't even know what... I, you have to try. In fact, Christians... These be, now, listen. I went to body house, so I don't think I'm, I was there. All right? Mm-hmm. But now, why I don't do it is simply because I don't believe you have enough structure to train my children the way I would do that. You don't. You don't love the child the way I do. Many of these us outsourcing, outsourcing is... We are too busy. We don't think this is priority. Like I said, I'm not telling you, do this, don't do that. I'm saying, think critically. Think critically. The kind of instructions you are going to give, can they give it? Think critically. Because there's a unique thing you have as a Christian parent who has been brought up on the word yourself. Just know God has given you that job. Just don't outsource it easily. That's the point I'm making. Be very careful. You know, I've not said don't do this or do this. Just be what? Careful. Because you have a duty to form those kids, those children, into the image of Christ. Of course, with instruction, with the word, with prayer. Of course, you use all the weapons you have been given. I'm not giving you the, if you just do like this. No, 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 no. There's no, <laughs> everything is done with prayer. Men ought always to pray. pray. Yes. You do everything with prayer. You instruct with the word. You instruct with the rod. You know, you, know, you enforce instruction with the rod. You do everything you have to do to make the image of Christ be formed. That's what we're making. So the purpose of our own lives too, back to it, that's where I began from, is that God has written many things. So as he's interacting with us, as we are working with him, the design is that our lives will be manifestations or the physical expression of that which he wrote. 
So that's why he said the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So the purpose of God is that the word become flesh and dwell, one, in you, and two, dwell on the earth for other people to observe. And the people around will behold the glory. I hope you're getting my point. As I said, what we do as Christians is not natural. It's spiritual. Natural things, our body responds naturally in one way. But we constantly train it. We constantly train it with the word of God to respond according to the dictates of the spirit. That's the primary thing faith is for. Faith is not get your needs met. No. The word of God will meet your needs. I hope you're getting my point. Faith is to make the word of God real in your life. So when God has written those things, the method by which you convert them to the physical reality is called faith. And the whole purpose, the plan of God for us is that his word will become flesh in our lives. It's a process. After Adam was made, it was a process. That's why he couldn't eat of the tree of life from the beginning. He had to be developed. And the emphasis is that we are also developing daily. The old man, the natural man is being dropped off daily. That natural man has been crucified. The traits are hanging around. We drop them daily and we replace those traits with spiritual traits. That's what faith does. That's what faith does. So that which God has written concerning me is being formed into my life in practical terms. Like I said last time, it's not just people, well, I, don't, I said some time ago anyway, recently, that people think that God only knows that shall not steal. And then that shall be a missionary. No, he knows, oh, everything. He knows how to decorate your house for you. Seriously. He said the garment of Aaron was made for glory and for beauty. Aaron's garment was, I see some of those things that they draw these days. That Aaron, I said, this is not fine. Just go online, type Aaron's garment. I said, this is not fine. Even Reverend Father, garment these days, if I pass the Aaron one, where are they see? So you know what that means? They are wrong. <laughs> because Bezalel and Co. See, let me tell you something. Words, letters. Jesus said the words, the prophet nothing. It's his spirit. <laughs> where am I going? When, when you read those things in the Old Testament now, I'm sorry to say, the spirit which which Bezalel converted to reality is lost on everybody on the earth right now. And nobody has it. Why? God doesn't want to build again. I don't know whether I get my point. See that garment of Aaron, that tabernacle, alright, of Moses, that Bezalel and Co. crafted and built. We think by instruction from Moses. But actually, Moses just gave them words. Then the spirit entered into them. The only man under the old order that the Bible said was filled with the spirit was Bezalel. The spirit entered him. So what Bezalel was crafting, he wasn't following the pattern, the law of Moses. He wasn't following the things Moses wrote. He wasn't following the words of Moses. The words of Moses got him started. Then the spirit entered him. That's why anytime I see that garment of Aaron, they draw on, on Facebook, on them, uh, Google images. I say it's not correct. Why? None of them is fine. What do you mean by fine? They don't attract me. I'd rather wear an Italian suit than those things. <laughs> I don't know what I get to my point. You know what that tells me? It's not fine. So that's not what Bezalel made. If he has seen the real one Bezalel made, if that high priest will come out, 
Everybody has to look. You will leave every yeah. Just, the glory is called for glory and for beauty. The glory attracted you like wow. There was a blend in the gemstones. There was what's point I'm making? God, look, is concerned about beautiful things. As I tell you, some of you just leave your house in the morning. Hey, by the way, another thing. All you foolish boys that don't comb your hair. All you foolish boys that don't comb your hair. There's no, no, no nobody like that here. Using your head to attract evil spirits. Just be going on the... The Bible says, Woe to him that calls good evil and evil good. Your own glory now is torn trousers. Can't you say you are, you are, you are demon afflicted? The world just come. You know, you know what the world does? Turn things upside down. Yeah, per, that's what perversion, to pervert something. What used to be good is now bad. What used to be bad is now good. That's what the world does. And please, church, don't buy it. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. You can't finish. You won't comb your hair. Your hair will now look. Now, I mean, see crazy guys on the streets? You see same human being. You can't tell the difference by the head. But look at them from the back. Who's mad? Who's normal? You don't know. It's not the will of God. It's still scripture, eh? It's the word of God. A woman should look like a woman. A man should look like a man. A man should not have an effeminate spirit. You paint your lips and put the earring in one ear. In case you don't know, you are demon possessed. Don't come and say, Christ does not look on the outside. It, it looks on the inside, but it knows the reflection of inside on the outside. You see, man, go put leaf gloss. Put earring, and they are celebrities. Thank you, yeah, yeah, BTS. That's a nice one. This guy is anointed, man. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, BTS. Satan corrupts what is good, turns private parts to public parts, initial public offering, IPO for your body. And of course, you know newspapers, media generally. Be careful about media. They like to celebrate what is wrong. And there's something about what is celebrated. After a while, you think it is normal. You think it is right. Start celebrating iniquity. Celebrating baby mamahood. For those who don't know it's baby mama. For me, when I was young, a baby mama is the mama of a baby. <laughs> Abby? That's what it's supposed to mean. But now, you know what baby mama means? It means the guy is not married to the mother. That's what it means. I heard the first time a few years ago. My friend, the one I was telling you about earlier, he lives in the U.S. I told him something that I, that I met somebody who, that I, just, I was just in his story. He said, ah, are you serious? He now has a baby mama. I said, what is that? He said, oh, no, that's what we call it here. A baby mama. I said, eh. Just means the guy is not married. To the mother of the baby. And now you now see celebrities from America now normalize it for us. It's a headline now. They, I saw one the other day. I don't know any of that. I don't know the guy. I don't, maybe he's a sports star. or a, a, Anyway, it's one year BT of the other. I don't know which one. Pose with the guy and say, oh, about to marry his partner. And the partner has like two children for him. I know young girls are growing up thinking it's normal. It's not normal, though. It's not married. It's not normal, though. Please understand it's not normal. They are trying to turn what is good 
into what is evil, and what is evil, they are making it look good. It's absolutely not normal. It's all those people you see outside, they are mad. God said, you think you are rich. Say you don't know that you are mad. Is it scripture like that? Yes, sir. Uh, what is wretched? It's not mad. <laughs> there are a lot of crazy people out there. There are a lot of crazy people. You know this, uh, you all know big, big, uh, big, yeah, yeah, more that they are doing. No, that was, uh, I don't want to publicize their issue. Big this, big that, you know that. I was so happy. Nobody noticed them this time. We're so busy with election. Did you notice? <laughs> you know, one day, you know, I watch things on YouTube a lot. So one day, and I'm, most of the adverts, I just dismiss off. I just wait for you to play for two seconds. Skip, skip, skip. This one I kept on saying, the titans are coming. The titans. The titans. After a long time, I finally allowed the advert to play. Only to find out that what is Titans? A group of irresponsible young boys and younger that they camp together and put camera all over the place, watching them kiss each other, do kind of talk, do rubbish for how many days? And then anytime you open the news, they always tell you what they are discussing. As a rule, I don't read it. So before I used to wonder, why is this in news? Until I realized, oh, they are paying the, the newspapers. So I said, oh. So they pro- publicize, no, and I've warned you, the Lord will discipline you, eh? but won't give you over to death if you're always watching that. You, you tap spirit, whatever entertains you, enters you. They keep on pushing, they keep, and you know what they are doing? They are making money. Those guys who are in that thing, if you know how much they make, where's the lying guy? What's now here just now? Oh, the other side. One day, was it one that gave me the information? Drink, let's just, let's assume you make a drink now. Which one did you make? Just give me the name of your drink. Okay. Palmito. Hey, just make one drink called Palmito. You give it to them to drink it during their party in that program. You pay 500 million. Uh, good. I'm happy you, you got confused. Yeah, to advertise. Those boys will just come out. 500 million. Did you say 5 million? 500 million. Oh, what, what do you think? Is that right? To drink during their this thing. How much was the money? Million naira, one day drink. Oh, yeah, no, they didn't. Ah, uh-uh. guys, pay though. When you hear some song, your body is shaking. No, advertises like that. You know, this one the Americans call um, Super Bowl 30 seconds. I said, I think it's two million dollars. That's if I'm mistaken, no, it's two million to show your advert for 30 seconds during Super Bowl, two million American dollars. So these guys, they will now drink your drink for a whole party. They'll keep, ah, they know how many people are watching it. They tell come on, bring 500 million there. See, Steve, his hand is still here. <laughs> what am I going to say? Somebody else is making money while trying to corrupt your life. That's the point I'm making. And you are cooperating. Say, I know, do leave me. Let me go and watch. Let me go and watch a Bible experience. Bible, just watch something scripture. I'm not emphasize, please, people of God. Don't let Satan corrupt things. In that case, it's an aside. If you are tearing their jeans, don't tear yours. It's not, the, the spirit is not right. The spirit is not right. It's not fashionable. You are the one that have now made it fashionable. 
I hope you're getting my point. Alright? Don't want to sit too much on that, but just bear it in mind. Okay? Back to where I went into that from. So don't let many people think that God only thinks about, you know, that's why I went to that. But God thinks of even beauty. As I'm saying, when you are coming out of your house in the morning, look in the mirror. Say, is this good? Come, you don't comb your hair. I, I, I tell my children that now, if you are coming for prayer in the morning, before I lay my hands on you, I don't want to lay my hands on tangled hair. Comb it. <laughs> so you can collect the full anointing. Anointing can move. <laughs> I told them. The Lord is good. God thinks of everything. That's the point I'm going to make. You don't just assume that only thinks about, am I going to ministry or am I not going to ministry? No, he thinks of every detail. He thinks of every detail of your life. He does. And what do, what do we do with faith? Like we were saying last time, faith makes us friends of God. And what God wants, he said, to this one I will look, the one that is contrite of spirit and does what? Trembles at my word. The one that trembles at my word. What faith means for us is that everything we define in life we define by scripture. That's what faith means. By the word of God. We read the scriptures. And if he says something is good, it is good. If he says it is bad, it is bad. That's what faith is. Faith means that all my definitions are derived from scripture. Faith means that all my expectations are derived from the word of God. Faith means that my desires are controlled by the word of God. That's what faith is. Faith doesn't mean I just get everything I want. Faith means that whatever I want must be what God says I should want. Do you get what I'm saying? Because he has written down every detail of my life. And what faith is, is that we are bring the, the Lord and I are working together to make my life an expression of that which he wrote. The Lord and I are working together to make my life an expression of that which he wrote. I'm not trying to be anything in myself. He has written everything down. I just said, Lord, let your will. That's meaning of let your will be done. That's why Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. In everything, the things that we Christians love, which appears like good in the eyes of everybody, is not because we think they are good. It's because the word of God says they are good. For example, the excellence is good. That's an example. But later on, in fact, I'm even getting to it now. All right? That's why you are not walking by faith if you are not faithful. The word faith and faithful, the Bible refuses to distinguish between them. It's in context we now know which one is faith, which one is faithfulness. Because the person of faith is known by his or her faithfulness in everything. For example, the Bible says, if I let's read this particular one, First Peter chapter 2. I want all of us to read it together. Just one verse, verse 9. First Peter chapter 2. If you can, use that New American Standard because I'm not sure of what... Um, what the other versions use to describe, there's a particular word I want there. If you can, read the New Americans, there's a particular word he used. And just by the way, just as, a, as an aside, one of the things that endeared me to the um, New American Standard Bible early in school, I'm talking about around 1988, thereabouts, 1889, around 1888, we'll go to, uh, to fellowship. Some people will explain some script. Now, most people, those they read King James. But I started added this into my own armamentarium of, of studies. <laughs> Good news. But I would go to fellowship. I remember one particular fellowship we went, one, one brother. So wait, one man, man of God, he's late now. He was teaching. He got here. And he said, the Bible said, to proclaim the praises. He said that the real word there is excellences. He explained it Greek and not when Greek, Hebrew. And the brother who I went with that day, I still remember him. 
He showed me in his Bible that his Bible used the word excellencies, just like that man was saying. So I kept on seeing things like that here and there. So anytime I go to his room, I borrow that Bible. Very beautiful, small Bible. I'll read it. So one day he was graduating. We're in the same level, but he was living in fourth year. All right, he was graduating. And I said, I should look amongst his things. Anything I wanted, I should take. They're just asking for it. So I could have asked for a shirt. Uh, if he wore the same size of shoes, I could have asked for a shoe. I could have just said, just look among, I should just look amongst his things. Anything I think I would like, I should point to it. So he'll give it to me. Guess what I pointed at? <laughs> you know, I had asked for that Bible before. He loved it. He refused. So I said, yes. He didn't know. He asked for half of my kingdom. I just said, give me head of John the Baptist. <laughs> that was how John the Baptist came into my life. I just said, you know, that guy asked for the head of John the Baptist. I just said, this is my own head of John the Baptist. I picked the Bible. That, I said, blue. I had that Bible for years. For a very long time. I think by the time I got married later, I still had it, but the back was torn. Yeah, I had that Bible for a very long time. I read, uh-uh, no, I read down, I beg. I, I, I read it. It's a beautiful Bible. Anyway, let's just, just an aside, the story of my life. All right. <laughs> let's read together verse 9. Are you there? All right, I want to lay, let's go. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now notice that he said that you may proclaim what? The excellencies of him. The character of God is excellency. Excellence. Anything he does, he does excellently. I hope you're getting my point. In faith, we are becoming exactly like the Father. So in anything we do, we put what? Excellence. We put excellence. We put excellence. If it's ministry, we do our best to put excellence. With prayer, with the resource that God will supply. In the work we do, we put excellence. I hope you're getting my point. In everything, that's a sign of faith. It's a sign of faith. In true faith, what we are doing is bringing the character of God into our own personal lives. I hope you're getting my point. Faith is not just the way by which we get some. That's what I'm going to make today. Faith is the way by which everything that God wrote concerning us. If he says we are walking in holiness, by faith we make it our personal experience. He says we are walking in righteousness. We make it our personal experience by faith. If he says, this is the destiny I have for you, even if you are not consciously aware of the details of it, but in prayer on a regular basis, you say to him, not my will, but your will be done. That's what faith does. Faith is not just the way by which you grab, you know, ah, I, I, I like this mascara, I want to just ah, begin to focus on car, car, car. That's the mistake we have made with faith. You know, when Jesus told us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. We often don't take that thing very seriously. If we focus on the things that matter the most, you know, you'll be so blessed, you wonder why people pray about blessings. I hope you're following my point here. What is faith, therefore, is the way by which we activate everything that God has written until our lives become the expression of the will of God so that people will behold his glory in our lives. Let's talk about healing again as an example. Why do we... Look, I believe 100%. Healing is the will of God. And no matter how difficult a doctor says it is, it is the will of God. I'm happy I started with that testimony that Pastor WF Kumi gave. All right? 
Somebody just tapped him on the way and said, why you were teaching? He didn't pray for anybody. He was just what? Teaching. Please follow me. That is, he didn't pray for anybody. He was just teaching. And what we do, let me tell you why we Christians gather like this and open our hearts to the word of God. The letter is not what we are trying to grab. Thank God for instructions. But what is really happening is that the spirit is moving across. The spirit is moving across. The spirit that is writing the will of God into your life is moving across. That spirit is just flowing, 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 flowing. And what is it doing? Every contrary thing. Because you must understand, in life there are all kinds of people trying to write all kinds of things. And indeed, listen to me, even God has pronounced judgments against sin in previous generations, many of which has been handed down to us and written in our lives. I hope you're getting my point. That's why people talk about ancestral curses and all of that. But you know, anytime the word of God is flowing forth like this, you know what is happening? That spirit is going and canceling. Do you get my point? Canceling, canceling, and rewriting the thing that is the will of God. That, see, the word, that expression, the will of God, that's the one mistake a lot of people make when they are explaining things. Like I said earlier, we said at the beginning that we don't have two gods here. We have one. So the world says calamity. Is the judge, now listen to this, it's what? Is the judgment of God. What do I call it? It's not the devil. What the devil does is accuse. The devil is an accuser. The devil is an accuser. If I don't mess it, I was listening to it again. I listened to it long ago. I just was going through my archive again, looking for something to edify myself. But when I stumbled into it again by David Paulson, he preached it shortly after the tsunami. Oh, actually, I, I got, grabbed two of them. One, he preached immediately after 9-11. 9-11 was which year? 2001. All right, he preached about the judgment of God immediately after that. And then when the tsunami hit in that Bandache area, no, that tsunami of 2000, uh, 2004, December 26, that uh, Boxing Day tsunami, he preached again. Of course, he preached immediately after because when he started the first day, he gave the death figures at about 150,000. By the time he came the third day, he said he had risen to almost a quarter of a million. And it came to about 230,000 at the end of the number of people that died. Okay? And so that's what he was trying to explain, that people make it look like uh, uh, the devil, the devil was God, where was God, where was God? So how do you ask God where he was when he is the one judging people? But, you know, Christians don't like to recognize that he judges. Okay? Now, please, follow this. Now, a lot of people don't realize it, that the fact that God did something does not mean that is his will. That's a mistake in understanding many preachers make. When you tell them that God did it, they feel like, that's not the will of God. That's not the will of God. I know it's not the will of God. It's called the judgment of God. It's called the decree of God. It's called, like, listen, who took away the goods of Job? Now, there's a bit of trick to that, but think about who took away the goods of Job? Was it the devil? The devil was running an errand. God said, everything he has, I have given into your hands. It was God that took it and gave it to the devil. So when the devil now came, because many of us were interpreting, we just come and sit over there, that see, it was Satan. Satan went out and did this. No, go a step backwards. You will hear God say, all that he has is now in your hands. Until God said that there was nothing the devil could do. Okay? Just to emphasize that for some people who may misunderstand what we are saying. Alright? But 
That's just an aside. Anytime you see judgment, all right, it does not mean it is a will. Where God was going, all right, even in the life of Job, was to execute his will fully in his life. I hope you're getting my point. The will of God, that's what we want to say the will of God is good. We even know the meaning of the word good because the Bible tells us it is good. I hope you're getting my point. For example, he said, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's God that tells us that our gathering in unity is good. Now, the will of God is good. The will of God is perfect. The will of God is acceptable. The will of God is beautiful. However, the judgments of God do come upon the earth. I hope you're getting my point. And then when judgment is activated, many times judgment runs until the will of God is written to override judgment. Let me give an example. In um, you know the story of um, Hyacerus and Esther? You know the story of Mordecai? <laughs> Remember that the king wrote a decree. What was that decree? That on the particular day, the, all the Jews should be what? Exterminated. They should be wiped out. Wiped out. And that was because of the petition of whom? Haman. That's the type of the devil. The petition of Haman said, these people should die. Now, in real life, what happened, God is a very just judge. These people are just types. Satan comes and writes a petition and brings up a petition before God. And he's correct. So God has to decree according to the petition that these people have sinned. As an example, Gehazi. A decree was given because of the sin of Gehazi. And that decree says what? The leprosy of Naaman will not depart from Gehazi or his descendants. So what the Lord does in every one of the Gehazi's descendants, a small temptation will come up. The boy will do the work of his father. Instead of obtaining mercy, Satan takes the decree, all right, activates it using the little offense the young boy did, okay, as petition. Everything is joined together, and the leprosy of Naaman comes upon that boy's household again. And it continues. Some of them may escape. I don't want to get distracted into that, all right? Now, but this is how it goes. So Satan comes every time petitioning and having decrees activated. If a descendant of Naaman gives his life to Christ, that's where I'm going. I want to emphasize this so that everybody will understand that no matter where you are coming from, we're all going to the same place. I don't know whether you're getting what I'm saying. If a descendant of Naaman comes, gives his life to Christ, and he sits down like this, those decrees that say, at the age of 35, you have leprosy. At the age of 36, one finger will fall off. Yeah, that's how it's written. It's written in details. Then the notes will be chopped out as 42. The hospital you will go to, they will have eaten all the money. So the drugs will not be available. Then you buy the one that is fake. At 51, you will die. A decree has been written like that. It's what is called an ascent strikers, activated in that person's life. But when he gives his life to Christ, understand, the basis of that thing is first removed. Then when he comes in and is hearing the word, the word is coming into him gradually. You know what happens? Remember, let's get back to the issue of Ahasuerus. When Esther interceded, you know the story. Esther interceded. What did the king do? He wrote another decree. He did, look, that one was still out there. And that's why I tell people, let me tell you something. Eh? If you had a very rough life, eh? you are blessed. Do you know why? You have a good incentive to hold on to Christ. You know why? 
Because anytime you leave Christ, you know what you will go back to. You know, those of you who have never been on cocaine or heroin, you don't get it. Those who have been there, when you say pray 10 times a day, they do 12 times. They love the Lord. Because to be delivered from, delivered from addiction is one of the greatest things God can do for you in this life. Now, this is where I'm going. This is how this thing works. That decree was written, exterminate these Jews. And that decree was now written. Jews, take up arms and defend yourselves. And a blessing upon whoever will help you. I hope you're getting my point. So neighbors came, fought alongside with the Jews against the people of Haman. Satan is still trying. That's the point I'm trying to make. Haman didn't just run away. His people didn't, he was hung. But those who were on his side still tried to carry out the first decree. They still tried to carry out that first decree. And that's how life is still right now. Satan, demons are still trying now to carry the former decree in your life. But as the word of God is coming forth, it's activating angels stronger than them. Do you get my point? It's writing new codes into your genes. That are stronger than the wrong ones that were there before. I hope you are getting my point. Listen, that is what faith does. That forgiveness you have in Christ. As long as you are paying attention to the word of God. is converting, pardon me to use the word. Theoretical forgiveness. Into practical forgiveness. They will say this before. They say, God can forgive you but the scars remain. I say, you never know the meaning of forgiveness. When, when God finishes forgiving you. These cars become an emblem of mercy. Yeah. I don't know what I get my point. Something to show off. Decoration. Which if God doesn't want, he'll remove. What are you talking about? I think it was one man testified. This really happened. One, one young man. You know, he got tattoos. He had tattooed his body, you know. By the way, if you're a Christian, what are you doing? Let's just leave it like that. This guy tattooed himself in an, you know, serious. So, no, they now has one bad one. Tattoo of the, like the head of the devil on his back. He gave his life to Christ, but he had a tattoo depicting Satan. So what was he to do? The point is that he went to the people counseling him. All the options, medicine, you know, surgery, then radio. You know, they had all kinds of uh, skin ideas, uh, treatments they might give, but... One man just said, look, just go and get baptized. They soaked that guy in water. He came out of the water. There was no tattoo. Holy Spirit said, let me wash this thing off. He said, whose likeness and whose inscription are this? I mean, you bear the likeness of the person that you belong to. Give to Caesar that which belongs to Caesar. This boy is mine. Wipe off the inscription of Caesar from his body. Head on that brother's testimony. Now, listen, this testimony, why I like is this one. Eh? This one, I heard a preacher saying it. But this one, the beautiful part of this particular testimony is that I'm only one person removed from the person it happened to. I hope you get my point. Assuming it happened to brother, uh, let's just call him brother Jude, okay? There's no, no, no Jude in my mind. I just picked a random name. Brother Jude took brother Andrew. Brother Andrew told me. The only person between me and Jude is Andrew. No other person. So the story is still hot, very close to the original. That is, just one person removed. And he narrated it to this brother directly. 
He was one that gave me this gist. Beautiful story. Young man lived a riotous life. He and his friends. So he jumped from one harlot to another. They just thought they were playing. Yeah. They one day gave his life to Christ. What he did not know was that his life had consequences which had not yet manifested. He had a child. But he didn't know. So one night, the Holy Spirit just said, there's a wound you have I need to heal you of. He didn't know what he was talking about. But he needed to do some medical exam for certain reasons. That's when they tested him and informed him. He was like, what? What was it to do? That same person spoke to him before in the dream. He said, now, you are going to get baptized. He told him where to go. He told him where to go for baptism. He got there. He met a frustrated pastor. Pastor came to, came to baptize. Church members did not come. <laughs> yeah, that was what he met. So I was like, please, sir. You know, you just got to talk to the man. Yeah, pastor, ah, that's why I have come. I don't know you said, but Holy Spirit said you should baptize me. After they talked, the guy agreed. Baptize the young man. The young man went for screen the next time he was negative. He gave his t- no, not the story of somebody told some. It's only one person between him and me. And you see, the Lord told him, don't worry, go and get baptized. If anybody says that, hey, 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 God can forgive you. What is the use of forgiveness that cannot clear anything? Say, so forgive me of your debt. I'm still paying. Say, so all these sins have committed against me. I forgive you. But that my motor will jam. You go buy them still. What, what kind of forgiveness? Just who don't forgive me. Let's know. <laughs> One day, my wife went to buy something. A deep freezer at our house. So because people sold us a bad one before, they were the ones, so we had to replace, you know, long story. So now demanded a discount. The man that gave her maybe one, maybe out of, I can't remember the exact amount. Assume 100,000, and I gave 1,000 discount or 500. My wife said, no, she's 100,000, let me pay. Let me pay. So that, because if I take this, your discount, you would think you gave me a discount. You did not give me a discount. Let's just know it. Leave it. What's your full price? She said, I will pay. I was about to pay when one, the one guy down now went and told the guy, said, ah, these people, <laughs> they were big because I, I bought everything from them. From my office, I would buy from them. From my home, I would buy everything I've been buying. Ah. The guy got me, the guy said, ah, don't offend this woman. No. If you offend this one, she said, it's a big customer. The man now came and gave you a proper discount. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, How am I going? If you want to forgive me, say I should carry this car. Come on, hold your forgiveness. Hold him now. He said, God forgive me, and then you can't clear anything. You forgive me, I will be carrying scalp and that. You forgive me, I will be praying for my sins. That doctrine is not correct. It's not correct. It is the way we preach it. That's why God can't do anything. Because it is to us according to our faith. God will forgive you and he will remove the consequence of sin. That's what faith does. A faith that recreates missing parts of the body. That's what we're talking about. How can you be able to raise Lazarus? You, can just, you can't create a small, small womb for us. You can't create small intestine, just a small stomach, even teeth. You want to raise Lazarus and want me to believe. If you can raise Lazarus, you can create teeth now. Maybe I'll be angry. I'll go fight that time. When I used to stab people, they, they don't stab me, come out two teeth. God, you go put them back. <laughs> Otherwise, hold the forgiveness. What are we talking about? You say you have power to raise Lazarus. You can't rearrange my brain when they take in jail. We'll go fight during election eight years ago. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I was a thug, maybe. We were smashing ballot box. Now I want Mopo whack my head with uh, the butt of a gun. Since after I'm not you, my mother's <laughs> not being balanced. Do you follow what I'm saying? That was eight years ago. I give my life to say, well, see, God can forgive. Don't preach that gospel to anybody. Leave it. 
Just say, you are forgiven in Jesus' name. Let God decide whether he's rearranging the brain that was damaged or not. Don't come and tell him that the scar will remain. What kind of nonsense scar are you telling me here? If that's what we're preaching, patch, patch gospel. Yes, now. Preach a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. No, I'm presenting. See, if we preach the truth, God will do his work. And that's my own job. I just preach it. How will it happen? I don't know. I don't know. Do I look like the doer of all things? Do I look like the one that speaks and the water's dry? Do I look like the one that speaks and the, the trees fall down? It comes on the mountain, the mountain catches fire. Do I look like the, the one? I'm not the one. My job is just to declare his counsel. And what I'm saying today is that everything he has recorded in scripture will come to pass in your life. Amen. If it is healing, you will receive that healing completely. Amen. If it's forgiveness, it will be manifested. Amen. When Jesus came to forgive, you see, one thing he did, ah, I told you last time when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he was making a point to us. Like I just said now, somebody tell you that permanent teeth cannot regrow. Do you still believe that? No, I mean, if Lazarus, you know, like I told you, for me, raising Lazarus from the dead, eh? People say that they how can the virgin give it to, to, to a child? I said, wait, let's leave that one. Let's ask, did he raise Lazarus from the dead? If he did, and he said he grew out of, you know, he's a petal that fell from a flower and grew to a human being, I will believe. If he raised Lazarus from the dead, and he told me there was a bee that carried pollen from one flower to another flower, and dropped it there, and he was the one that grew out and became the fruit of the tree. Do you know I will believe? Why? Are you the one that raised Lazarus from the dead? I'm asking you today, did your Jesus, the one you claim to believe, do you believe he raised Lazarus from the dead? So why should there be anything that he cannot do? Please read my track, Dare to Believe. Dare to Believe. What, What is faith doing? Listen, let me summarize it so we can go. Remember, I said something. I need to emphasize it. The person that God really loves, there are two things about such people. One, they understand what he has said has been infallible. And two, they know his character. And that's why we are talking about God. Just know his character. He's a powerful God. He's a wonderful God. With him, nothing will be impossible. That's what I want you to live here with again today. That's what faith is. Faith means from scripture we have understood what he can do. And we know there's nothing he can't do. I hope you're getting my point. For that reason, we leave our hearts and our lives open. That's what I'm going to leave here today with. I want you to expect him to do strange things in your life. Every example I give now. Hmm? Somebody listening to me this morning will experience it. Amen. Even as trivial as missing teeth. As trivial as it appears, like missing teeth, God will restore for somebody in the name of Jesus Christ. A part of a body that was removed, God will restore it in Jesus' name. He will just grow a new one for you. Yeah, he will grow a new one for you. A permanent dummy that doctors said, no, when the brain is injured, it does not recover. Your own will recover. And for every child that has any problem, especially in the brain, this morning, Holy Spirit, Father, we thank you. You know, Jesus said, Father, I thank you because you hear me. So we're asking the Father again this morning, in the name of Jesus, restore everyone in Jesus' name. Amen.
any child listen, whose parents are listening to this today, parents, you just get home, touch that child. Immediately after now, just put your hand on your child. And you will see the healing power of God come upon that one in Jesus' name. Amen. By faith, we activate that which is written. Himself took our infirmities and our diseases. And by his stripes, we have been healed. That is activated in your life this morning in Jesus' name. He said, behold, I will make prosperity flow towards you like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Now listen to this. You will have have all sufficiency in all things. And you will abound to every good work. In the name of Jesus Christ. Last time I said, just pray simple prayers. Lord, my house is small. I want a bigger house. For this, I'm not competing with my neighbors. No. It's just that I need to be able to receive guests. I need to be able to work. You know, I need to be able to sleep. Just ask him simply. Now, somebody is receiving that this morning in Jesus' name. Also, all forms of healing miracles, they are happening from now in your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Financial miracles, begin to receive them in the name of Jesus. By faith, we understand that the words were framed by the word of God, not by our experiences, not by the things we can see. So that we understand that the things that we see did not come out of things that are visible. What am I trying to say? What you will see next will not be predictable. In the name of Jesus Christ. A special breakthrough is happening to somebody beginning from today. In Jesus' name. Let's give a lot of thanks. Father, we thank you. Let's just thank him this morning. 